This is Mark Kelly, and I'm part of the leadership at City Church Leeds, and I want to thank you for downloading this podcast. I hope that it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. If you find these podcasts helpful, would you please consider standing with us and supporting us? For more information about this and other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Well, an exceptionally good morning to you. How are you? Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, this is your assignment, should you choose to accept it, which I think, is that from Mission Impossible? Uh, I feel like that is my mission this morning, Mission Impossible. Um, I'd like to read you just a prayer of Paul's briefly from Ephesians where he says this, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. How on earth does anyone begin to speak about that kind of love? Um, can we, would you pray with me for a minute, please? Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We just give you praise, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would impart to our heart just a deeper understanding, revelation of the nature of your love for us. Father, we open our heart to you and we say, Lord, please, just have freedom of access to come and speak to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. That's right, Lord. It's more of you. That's all we need. All we need. Lord Jesus, I just want to bring my... um, my loaves and fishes this morning and just ask you Lord to multiply them and for you to through our hands just to distribute the richness of your life, your love, your word to us Lord we just come with a sense of anticipation this morning of what you want to do thank you Father Amen. Amen. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the issue of what it means to belong. 
uh, to the family here. And one of the things that um, in our deliberations as a leadership team that was clear and which I think people generally felt would be a good thing is that for people to have an opportunity to understand a bit more about who we are and what we're about and what we believe and all those kinds of things and that it would be good to do something like that on a Sunday morning. And uh, so what we've, we planned was that we would try and cover some of our sort of foundation stuff over these next few weeks. Well, <laughs> um, it's a bit like saying, here, we'll just cover this in the next few weeks. Uh, that was a bit ambitious. But what we decided would be a good thing to do would be to take our acronym. You know this thing that we have on the front of our, um, this logo that we have on the front of our new sheet? Loved, equipped, empowered, devoted and sent. We thought what we would do is over these next few weeks, we would just take something of the core of each one of those five things and seek just to explore it a bit together and uh, partly to remind ourselves, partly to just keep on establishing the vision of who it is that we are. And um, this morning, uh, it's, it's my, I have to say, it is a joy and it's a pleasure for me to pick up the first one of those, which is loved. Above all things, we are a people who are loved by God, first and foremost. And that's what I want to zero in on, is just this simple thing, simple but profound, that we are loved by God. Uh, to do that, what I, what I want to do is just to look at a particular uh, story from Jesus' life, which you'll find in Luke chapter 7. If you can go there with me. Remember that uh, <coughs> uh, Jesus at the time of when he met with his disciples uh, the evening before the crucifixion, uh, somebody asks him a question or makes a, a request of him uh, and says to him, show us the Father and he says who has seen me has seen the Father so everything that we're about to read in the scripture and everything that God is about to unveil in your own heart through this story is God the Father revealing himself to you <clears throat> uh, I'm going to start this is Luke 7 verse 36 I'll just read it through to the end of the chapter and then we'll chat about it together. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, 
Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When you allow yourself to get under the skin of that story, um, it is extreme, isn't it? You have to imagine that this woman, that she had obviously encountered Jesus at some point previous to this, and something about him had clearly attracted her. She recognized that there was something about him, about the way he lived, the way he was with people, the way he ministered to those that were around him, that somehow in him was an answer to some deeply felt need that she had. She was drawn to him. Drawn to him in such an extreme way that she could put herself in a position that she would have found incredibly uncomfortable. Now, if you imagine it, uh, Jesus has been invited to the house of Simon, uh, a Pharisee, um, and obviously there were other guests there, typically the kind of people that Simon would have associated with, uh, people like him, quite possibly. In my uh, Bible here, uh, there's a head heading over this subsection of the scripture where it says this, Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. And I rather think that that heading in my scripture is unhelpful. Um, we'll find out, we'll see why in a moment. But here she is, this woman who has, according to what we read there, she's led a sinful life in the town. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination, does it, to think about, well, what actually was that about? 
you can, I'm sure, you know, human imagination doesn't need a lot of help um, to speculate about the kind of things that sit around a description like that. But all we know is that she led a life that did not fit with the kind of people that were sitting in the room with Jesus at that time. So in order for her to come into that environment of Simon's house, she, having been drawn by what she knew about Jesus, she had to, I have to say, she had to fight through uh, the fear of what was going to attend her as soon as she entered the room. Uh, fear of rejection, fear of her own shame, fear of all the negative talk that was going to be, you know, you can imagine it, kind of the murmuring that was going to go around the room. So she was confronted by some big emotional challenges as she walked in. But such was the draw that she had towards this man Jesus that she was able to press through, she was able to fight through those fears that she would have been very, very accustomed to throughout her life. I don't know whether you can picture it. I, I suppose I've got this imagination of these people who would have probably been reclining around a, a table rather than sitting at chairs like we would have done. Low table, um, I don't know, cushions on the floor or whatever. If you'd have been here at the encounter evenings, that's what you would have seen, cushions on the floor. Uh, <coughs> but at, at a certain point, she's clearly standing and something in her is being released. Something that has been pent up in her virtually, well, we don't know. I would say all her adult life and possibly even from younger still. Something is being released in her as she encounters this man Jesus. And it's almost as if he's ignoring her. And she's standing there and literally crying. Um, she'd been set back away from him but she was close enough for her tears actually to fall on his feet as he's reclining at the table and realizing what's happening she she would kneel down and with taking her hair begin to wipe his feet It's an astonishing story, isn't it? This stuff is extreme. We, we kind of read the scripture and yet we filter it through some sort of normal. But this was not normal. This woman had clearly come with intent. She'd come prepared. She'd brought this jar of perfume with her. She, I don't know how she thought she, this was going to happen. I guess she, all she knew was, he was there, I'm going to get to him, and when I get there, this is what I'm going to do. And what she was doing, in effect, uh, she, she, had, she just had a desire to worship him. 
So she, she pours out this perfume on his feet. I just find the whole thing completely strange. But you can imagine, can't you? As she opened the bottle or the casket, whatever it was, um, the aroma of the perfume would have filled that room. Something about what she was doing began to impress itself. Well, I mean, whether she was in the shadow somehow, whether anybody else in the room was aware she was there or what, we don't know. But something would have impacted their senses which said, hang on a minute, something's going off here. And that would have drawn attention to her. The next thing we, we hear or we read about is Simon, how he has this, he's got this um, self-talk going on. He's got this thought process happening. And he's saying to himself, now just a minute, people say this guy's a prophet, but if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. something very powerful about this whole story about Simon who is looking at this woman through his lens through his view which was uh, there's stuff out there there are people out there who do bad things they are wrong because they are sinful and we Pharisees and my friends here, scribes and those like me. I'm not saying he's talking like this to himself, but this is what's going on. We, we're the guardians of the rules that keep these people in their place. We tell them what to do, and that, that protects us in our society. We stop bad people from doing bad things carrying out their bad stuff so that people like us are free to be able to carry on and do what we want to do. Very curious this. He's thinking to himself, he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what she was like. I want to suggest to you <clears throat> um, that Simon he was looking through his particular lens. Jesus was looking through a different kind of lens altogether. He saw. He saw exactly what that woman was like. He knew at an even more profound level than Simon could ever realize who she was. He saw into her heart he saw her for truly the human being that she was. He saw uh, a woman um, whose life of pain and self-rejection had caused her to walk in ways and to seek respite, to seek comfort in things which were illegitimate. 
she had become involved in a life of sin. Nobody was condoning what she'd been doing. But Jesus saw past all that, saw into her heart, and he saw the treasure that was in her. And he loved her. He loved her so unashamedly that he allowed her to carry on doing what she was doing. He was prepared to face down the criticism and the condemnation that was coming from all those people that were around the table. It was almost as if he was going, Simon, in your face. And he tells him, that, he tells him this story, doesn't he? Um, he doesn't address him directly. He just says, let me, let me just tell you something. There was a money lender. And, he, and you heard the story how um, two people who couldn't repay their debts, well, you know, the debts were cancelled, they were released, and he asked him this question, which of them would love him more? And Simon, with his logical mind, says, well, I suppose the one who had the most cancelled. And he says to him, exactly, you're absolutely right. And he then takes him through this little journey where he says, you know, um, you didn't greet me with a kiss when I arrived. She's been kissing, she, couldn't, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't bring me water to wash, but she has washed my feet with her tears. You didn't bring me oil to anoint me with, but this woman has brought me perfume. And uh, I don't know what Simon was going through at this particular point. I think he was probably feeling a little uncomfortable by now. Um, I think he could feel the wraps being torn off and something of his own heart being exposed. Very gently, but he was being... Something about his own heart attitude was being revealed. And then um, Jesus turns um, to the woman. Do you know, I wonder if at that point it was almost as if she just forgot everybody else. I think she was pretty well there already. But as Jesus turned to her, She would have known something just in his look that would have told her, daughter, I don't, don't reject you. What he communicated before he'd even said anything was an acceptance of her, of who she was, that if you like, in one single movement overturned a life history of rejection. The fact that Jesus responded to her, it was as if in that moment he was addressing the deepest needs that she had struggled throughout her life to fill but which she had never been able to. before he'd even said a word. 
And then he does something again. Uh, completely off the page, this. He says to her, your sins are forgiven. Well, at that moment, you know, you could hear the ripple go around the room. Um, of pr ripple of protest, of, of reaction, of, well, just a moment, but, you know, we, who do you think you are? I remember he doesn't even he doesn't even address that <laughs> he doesn't even bother giving it airtime have you ever thought I, I, this, this thought's gone through my mind before now this isn't the only occasion when Jesus has said to somebody your sins are forgiven you know like the guy who got dropped down through the, uh, the ceiling oh hey that's another whole story I love that one uh, but he says to her, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus, you haven't died yet. How, you know, where, what's the basis for this? Where? Where's the, where's the legal bit, you know? But what it says to me is this, that the eternal heart of God has always been set to forgiveness right now the heart of God towards this world completely unconditionally is set to forgiveness eternally everlasting forgiveness and what he has done is set in place something which gave expression to that heart of forgiveness that has been there in the heart of God since whenever. That's why Jesus could say to her, your sins are forgiven. The payment's coming later, but I can tell you now, it's already yours. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so, The love of God for this woman so far has dealt with her inner need. God's love has extended to her her whole her person, the, the person that she is, this person that has loathed herself all her life, the person who's given herself, looking for love and affection here and there and everywhere, and never finding it. Suddenly, in this encounter with Jesus, she finds what it is that her heart is crying for. It's amazing, isn't it? She's, she's encountered the love of God who's accepted her and received her for who she is. And then he goes a step further and he says, look, all the stuff that you involved yourself in, all that stuff that was never helping you, all that stuff that was so self-destructive and which she doesn't need a Pharisee to tell her how awful she's been. She's been doing that all her life. And Jesus comes along and he says, it's all over. It's all over. You are clean. You 
are free. It's the love of God. <laughs> oh dear. And then, uh, he, I, I don't know what posture she's in at this point, whether she's still on the floor. What posture she's in at this point, whether she's still on the floor, whether he's... I can imagine, can you imagine this? I can imagine him getting hold of her, lifting her. Can you, can you see that happening? Of her feeling his strength underneath her as he lifts her up. And it's, it's not just physical. She's being lifted and as he's lifting her, the, the eye contact is saying to her, look, face to face, you and me, face to face, there's nothing between us. And that's what God has done for us, isn't he? Thank you. He has lifted us up. He has given us eye contact with him. He has said to us, you and me, face to face, no barrier. You and me, same level. It's the love of God. So he lifts her up. And as he does so, he, say, he says to her, your faith has saved you. And he's given her a key. He said to her, your faith. Now let me go back. There is in God a realm of grace which is permanent. God lives in it. It's his stuff. It's how he lives. It's what he's like. It's that stuff which says, here, have it anyway. You didn't earn it, but I just love you. It's God who says, look, I'm just taking my stuff and I'm giving it away. I am creating a space for you which places you in a position of honor because I value you not because you ever earned it you didn't deserve it it's how I made you and God like Jesus did with that woman he sees beyond all the outward stuff he looks into the heart he looks into who he's made every one of us to be and he says I love you I love you now this realm of grace it's what surrounds us. It's what surrounds him. But he gives this woman a key and he says, your faith has saved you. In other words, like Paul says later on in Romans, he says, you have entered by faith into this grace in which you now stand. What Jesus is saying to her is, because you believed me, because you chose to trust me, what it's done for you is open up this realm of God that is permanently yours.
it's never going to go away. Your faith has saved you. So he wasn't talking to her about just the here and now. He was saying to her, you have entered into a realm which you never even dreamed of. You never thought was possible. And yet all that is in God is coming your way. I just find this astonishing. I do. I, I just... Ah. And then he says, one final thing. He says to her, go in peace. By the way, um, yeah, sorry. I was going to say that that, I, that whole thing about um, being saved, we so often associate with that, that with um, give your life to Jesus, get your sins forgiven, um, done deal. But actually, that word saved is so much more, so much bigger than that simple transaction. It is this whole realm of grace that we're talking about. <clears throat> it's the whole deal. It's the whole shooting match. It's everything about your life that ever needed putting back to rights. It's the whole deal. And then he says to her, go in peace. Um, now, I think I'm learning. I think I'm beginning to get this a little bit. Uh, when Jesus said, go in peace, he didn't do the, kind of, you know, give the benediction and say, okay, run along now. It wasn't like that. Um, you know when, I, I've talked about this before, you know when he says to the disciples, when you go into a house, speak peace to the house. And if your peace, you know, if there's a man of, uh, you know, honour there, your peace will remain. If not, it will come back to you. Um, that says something to me about the peace which the disciples, he'd given them authority to release. They'd know when it came back again. Or they'd know when it remained. There was something that was tangible about what was released and is released around us. I want to suggest this. It's, it's, take a little bit of an imaginative leap with me, would you? <clears throat> when he says to her, Go in peace. What he did was he released into her what was already in him. Uh, this was the realm that he lived in. You know, like he says to the disciples, My peace I give to you, not like the world gives, my peace. Remember? He says that at the Last Supper. My peace I give to you. And he's doing the same with this woman. He's saying, he's releasing, in, the, in the, the word that he speaks, he's releasing into her the peace that he is living in. Now, we think of peace as being that kind of nice, restful, kind of, you know, chill out music kind of stuff. But no, 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 no. no. <clears throat> peace, biblical peace, is wholeness. It's the completeness. So not only has he... Now think about this. This is, this is where we're getting to. When we talk about being loved, 
we talk about being a people who, first of all, God has, in his love, he has reached into who we are in order to transform and to set right everything that ever got messed up. He has done all that's necessary to make us clean, to set, reset everything so that we are in a place of relationship with God. The love of God has lifted us up to establish for us face-to-face -face contact with him. He has opened up for us this realm of grace that is his, that he's just inviting us to come into. And he has released to us wholeness, wholeness of a kind that simply does not exist, that people will chase after in the world, but does not exist apart from God. What he did for this woman was to call her and bring her into wholeness. Paul concludes one of his letters, doesn't he? He says, um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. When we talk about the love of God, when we allow ourselves... Now, let me suggest something to you. Next time you've got some, a moment to yourself, <clears throat> um, just come before the Lord. Don't try and talk to him. Don't bring your stuff. Just allow... God to love you. Allow, if, if you like, imagine yourself in this story. Imagine God coming to you in that kind of way. Allow yourself, if you might, if you like, a flight of fancy. And then think, uh-oh, no, this is real. So, this morning, always always done it's just to explore a little bit about what it means to be loved um, uh, I am convinced of this that God wants for our times together um, and the word that comes on a Sunday or whenever it is I, w I believe sincerely that God wants that to become uh, not just a matter of talk, but like Paul said, of power and demonstration.